Hey everyone, this week Peter Lewis talked to us about getting right with God and getting right with each other. By way of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus, we have the authority to forgive sins. Peter led us into a beautiful moment of just sitting with our Father and being loved on by Him, and then from that place, asking Him who in our lives we needed to forgive. So I hope as you listen to this week's message, that you feel empowered and equipped to forgive those in your life who have maybe hurt you or wronged you. And it's from this place that we truly experience peace and freedom. So be blessed. I love you. You have your Bibles. You can open to Hebrews 12. Y'all good? There's some advantages to this. You can drink your coffee and not spill it, you know, throwing it around. Just kind of sip your coffee with the word. Um, listen, it is Pentecost Sunday. It's moderate response. Listen, if you don't have Pentecost with Easter, you have no Christianity. It's on the same plane as Easter, as Resurrection Sunday, because Resurrection Sunday was unto Pentecost Sunday. And so this is a big deal. I believe God honors Pentecost. We, we celebrate it. It's a celebration. The early church actually celebrated from a Passover to Pentecost. It was the great 50 days. They held festivals and celebrations and feasting. Why? Because of the victory of Jesus. Come on. Oh, boy. And so... So we're going to do that today. This is Baptism Sunday for Upper Room this evening. We have baptisms tonight. My family's going to be celebrating. My daughter is getting baptized this evening. Come on. Is there anything better? No, there's not. As a dad, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So, uh, But this morning, as I was praying uh, for this, this Sunday, this time together, um, I really felt... Uh, like the Lord wanted to prepare our hearts for something. Those of you who know the upper room, we spend a lot of time and energy and resources worshiping and loving on our God. It is our mandate. It is the, the very cry of this house is to become a place that, that where we awaken people to love God, that loving God is a, is a unique and special activity and privilege that we get to do. We can love God uniquely through song, through praise, through thanksgiving. It's powerful. Um, but, but there's this overlay, this connection between the Old Testament priests of offering sacrifices and praises, and now the New Testament, our sacrifices aren't lambs and bulls and goats, it's songs, it's a heart that's alive to God, it's a heart that that's, has faith in Jesus and that responds in gratitude to who he is and what he's done. That's what a true sacrifice of praise is in the new covenant. It's a, it's a heart alive to God. And so you can sing a song to God and your heart be far from God. True or no? I, I've been here for over 10 years from the beginning. I have been in worship sets and got to the end and realized my heart never connected with God. So it is possible. Now what's so cool about our, our Levites and our worshipers, they're so anointed, they're so gifted, and they lead so well because they actually, if you discover this, they'll help your heart engage during worship through song. They actually, they actually like bring us in and they, they help us connect our heart to the song and to Jesus through the melody. Amen? And so what I want to do this morning, though, is I really felt that the Lord wanted us to bring a pure offering, 
a, a, a prepared offering. And if you were to bring an offering in the Old Testament, you would have to prepare a lamb or a bull or a goat. And let me tell you, it would take time to prepare that sacrifice. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. And I want to reference, there's a, um, I was with a friend in the Pacific Northwest this last week, Daniel Sabo of Woodlands Church. He's an awesome guy. And we were talking about communion revival and the table. How many of you have been enjoying the, the messages on the communion revival, the table, hospitality, Kevin's word? Come on. And it's awesome to hear some of you guys are practicing that hospitality. Some of you guys are already engaging, opening your home. This is a biblical command, not a suggestion, not just a gift that some people have. Biblical hospitality is new covenant. Amen. And so what we're going to do this morning, um, we're going to model this. I'm going to model what it looks like. So if you came to my house, we wouldn't sing a song first. (laughs) We would connect, we would, we would say welcome, and hopefully you met somebody, you said welcome, you got your coffee, you felt greeted, you felt like this is home. But the early church, what they would do, this is out of the Didache, and, and you can put this up if you want. Um, the Didache was a, a writing of the apostles, it's not scripture, but this is how they practiced church. And um, really the essence of it was this. They said, when you, when you come together on the Lord's day, have a meal, break bread together. So in a little bit, some elders of ours, Tom and Lois Toussaint, they're gonna come and facilitate communion. So we're gonna, take, we're gonna break bread together. Um, but they would say, come together, get right with God, get right with each other, and then bring a pure sacrifice of praise to the Lord. That was the essence of the first century church. I'm gonna repeat it again. Get right with God, get right with one another, and then bring a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. Now, something really, there was a the caveat in the early church, they did this. They said, if anyone is unwilling to get right with God or to get right with each other, then you can ask them just to leave because what you're about to do in worship is so intimate and sacred and holy that it wouldn't make sense that if you didn't want to be right with God and right with your, with your brethren, it wouldn't make sense then to worship God with them, right? That doesn't make sense. And so sometimes I think as a church, the practice of doing worship at the beginning hinders us from experiencing the full weight of glory and purity and magnificence of together worshiping God. Amen. So I'm going to share out of Hebrews 12 on this Pentecost Sunday. Then at the end of this, I'm going to, I'm going to read some verses at the end of this. Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity. For those of you in this room uh, watching online in the overflow, um, if you know this morning that you are not right with God, and what I mean by that is you've never, you've never made covenant with God. You may have been in church your whole life. Uh, you may have been around believers. You may identify as a Christian, but you know this morning that you're not right with God, that sin has deadened your senses uh, to him and that you don't have a real vital intimacy and connection with him. If that's you, you're gonna have an opportunity at the end of this to confess your sins and to get right with God, and it's gonna be beautiful. It's not scary. It's not crazy. It's, it's holy. God is inviting you into covenant relationship with him this morning, and so I'm telling you that on the front end. Number two, for those of you who are right with God, we're gonna actually have a minute or, or, or five or eight minutes to get right with each other, and what that looks like is you may, God may, may prompt you to confess your sin to a spouse, to a friend, to the Lord, but then we're gonna forgive one another from the heart. We're gonna offer forgiveness to one another, and we're gonna actually like bring our hearts before the Lord and, and practice this covenant with God that we say we have. 
And so we're gonna, we're gonna confess, we're gonna get right with each other, and then we're gonna take communion together in celebration, then we're gonna worship together. Amen? All right. I still have some of you. That's good enough. We can do, we can do a sum. Go to Hebrews 12, verse 18. So on, on Pentecost, this day that we celebrate, the, um, a significant mile marker for this, Michael Miller mentioned this in the Covenant series, when Moses went up the mountain, uh, and the mountain, y'all remember the mountain was on fire, everything was, Israel was real afraid, they didn't want to go up, Moses actually was terrified to go up, and that was the day where when God gave the law to Moses, made covenant with Israel, he comes down, Aaron's made the golden calf, and 3,000 died on that day. 3,000. It's an important number. Because you fast forward to Acts chapter 2, and they're all together in one accord. God doesn't now give the law. He gives the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 are saved. And so it's a revelation of the two covenants. The law speaks, and 3,000 die. Grace speaks and 3,000 live. It's awesome. <laughs> grace brings life. God wants God. God is a God of grace. He's abounding with grace this morning. But grace only flows through faith. And faith is just a simple trust and obedience to the truth of who Jesus is. And that's all we're doing here is we're just preparing our hearts to receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness that he has for us. And so this, this scripture in Hebrews is actually referencing uh, that. And so I want to read it with you uh, together. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 18 says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire in darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. What's he talking about? He's talking about Israel seeing a mountain on fire with trumpet and a voice, and they're going, please tell him, stop speaking, we will die. Why is this important? This God that we love and that we worship and that we lift our hands to is awesome. He's not us. There is, a, there, is a, there is an entity, the uncreated one, God, who is not us. He's not in our image. He, he's God. And when God descended on a physical mountain, the mountain, there was blackness. Like, oh, this, is not, this isn't poetic language. Like, picture a mountain on fire with black clouds. And like, it's a terrible, awful, incredible sight. Moses and God spoke face to face, and even Moses himself was terrified to walk up that. Can you imagine walking up that mountain? And because of the consciousness of sin in the Israelites, they said, guys, he said, Moses, we cannot go up. Israel was actually invited to go up. Did you know that? And they go, no, 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 no. we don't want to go. You go. You go for us. This is God. So when we say God, when you came to worship this morning, when you came and you got your coffee, this is who we're coming to. Okay. 
for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. So there was a holy fear that Moses had to walk up this mountain. And he was walking up this mountain. Listen, some from you like, well, that doesn't, I don't know about that God. He was walking up this mountain to make covenant. This is a relational God. God can't help but being awesome. It's not his fault that he's holy. That's not mean. It's not mean that he's, that he's brilliant, that he's powerful, that he's all-consuming fire. That's not mean. He just is. He's, he's other than. He's not us. He's other than. He's God. He's almighty. Oh, is it, doesn't this encourage you? He's God. He's bigger than everything. He's bigger than wars and racism and, and division. He's bigger than sin. He's bigger than numbness and apathy and religion. He's big. He's awesome. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. And so this writer of Hebrews is telling believers, he's telling Hebrew believers who were in persecution, who were falling away, he's telling a company of people, he goes, guys, you are no longer at that mountain. That's not, that's not your dynamic with God. Though that is God, and though there was a dynamic of that God, that's not your dynamic anymore. For those of you who are right with God, those of you who have made covenant, that's like a relational marriage intimacy with God, that's not your reality anymore. And he sets the stage for, to me, he forever sets the stage for every worship service that would ever take place in the new covenant. And this is it. I'm about to read. He, he tells us, he goes, you haven't come to a blazing mountain. He goes, I'm going to tell you what you've come to. So when you gathered this morning, you thought you were coming to some, you know, dingy warehouse in the, in the design district, but you, you didn't, you didn't come to that. You didn't come to 1350 manufacturing street. You didn't come to a full parking lot. You didn't come to a line of people. That's not what you came to. Biblically, that's not what you came to. But many of us, we come, that's what we think we're coming to. We think we're coming to these things, but but biblically, that's not what we came to. And I want to read what the Bible says when a company of people gather together in worship. This is what we come to. Are you ready? Verse 22. And you can list these out with me or put the scripture or however you want to do it. I trust you. You're amazing. Verse 22. You can read this in your Bibles. But you have come to Mount Zion. You have come to the city of the living God. <coughs> yeah. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to innumerable angels in festal gathering. <coughs> if you're not imagining it, you're not living innumerable angels in festal gathering. <clears throat> before you ever open your mouth, before you ever say thank you, before you ever worship God, before you ever get your heart in the right place, you are coming to innumerable angelic beings in festal gathering, fullness of celebration, fullness of worship, unhindered praise and adoration of their king because they see him clearly. <clears throat> yeah. 
See, God doesn't need rocks to cry out anymore. He's got innumerable angels because the Lamb of God is now there. Oh. You've come to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. You've come to the church. You've come to those saints who have gone on, the cloud of witnesses. This is what he's saying. You've come to those who are also there. And you've come to God. You're coming to God. You're coming to God. You're like, I know, but you're coming to God. What do you mean God? He's the judge of all. He's the judge of all. This is so comforting that he's the judge of all. And he, and he helps us interpret this for those who are in Christ, who, are, who have been born again. Look what he says. He, you've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. God's judgment over one who surrenders to him is righteousness. That's his judgment. I love the judgments of God in the Son. The judgment of God over my life apart from the Son is terrifying. But if my life comes into the Son, the judgment is you're righteous. You're a son. You're a daughter. That's God's judgment. And no one can cancel that judgment. It's his judgment. The judge renders a judgment. You're righteous. Hebrews 9.32, just as it is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes judgment. I've died once. How about you? And what was the judgment? Righteous. Oh, come on. It's appointed for man to die once. I'm not going to die again. I've already died with Christ. I've been resurrected to newness of life. And my father, when I came up out of those waters in his son, my father made a judgment that no man, no demon in hell, no circumstance can ever take from my life. He said, you're righteous. You're mine. You're mine. You belong to me. I don't care what happens in this life. You are mine. That's the judgment of God. That's the invitation to a lost and dying world is come, die with Christ, be born again. And let the judge of all declare something over you, seal you. You are my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. He says, you've come to this judge. You've come to this God. Oh, and to Jesus. You've come to Jesus. The mediator of a new covenant. The word mediator should make your heart leap. Y'all, the new covenant is so wheels off, bananas good, crazy town, insane, lavish, magnificent, majestic. I don't, I don't have the foggiest idea, truly, of how beautiful this new covenant is. But there is a living man named Jesus as my priest who has purposed by his own blood to make sure, to mediate, to be a connection piece, to make sure that I wake up to the covenant, to make sure that the Father's always reminded of it, to make sure that there is, there is always a connection between us and him. There is a real man that's not me who's mediating. He's, he's alive and actively working to make sure that we, his church, stay connected in relationship to the Father. 
He's mediating the new covenant. You're like, I don't know. Sometimes I don't understand the Christianity and the new covenant. That's okay. You have come to Jesus. And he's the mediator of a new covenant. And he will, he will make sure, if you come to him and allow him, he'll make sure that you understand. He'll help you. He'll explain it. He'll explain what his blood does. He'll explain what his body does. He'll explain who the Father is. He'll explain what he did on the cross. That's the role of the priest. The priest is a mediator. It's one who, who stands. He's there as a man in heaven on our behalf. That's what the scriptures teach. We have a priest on high in heaven, Jesus, who, who is there on our behalf. That should cause you to light up. Now, this is where it just gets so, it's all amazing. And it says, you've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood. You've come to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Let me break this down for you. The very first murder, Cain killed Abel. Genesis 3, 4. Cain kills Abel. And God comes to Cain. He goes, hey, where's your bro? Cain's like, I'm not my brother's keeper. How, how should I know? And he goes, well, he says, Abel's blood is crying out from the ground to me. You murdered him. And his blood is innocent. And so it's the first reference of blood, the lifeblood of a human speaking out to God. And he was crying out for vengeance. He was saying, you, you need to make the blood of Abel. He goes, I was innocent. So the blood speaking to God. God, I was innocent. Abel's blood spoke to God. And Abel's blood said, I was innocent. You need to punish him. So God then responds to the voice of the blood and he says, Cain, what did you do? And he gives them this judgment. Cain, there's a judgment placed on Cain. And so now we see that there is a blood. When we come to a worship gathering, you're not just come to the city of the living God. You haven't just come to Jerusalem. You haven't just come to God, the judge of all. You haven't just come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. You haven't just come to all these angels having a wheels off party. You have come to Christ's own blood sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven. And he's drawing your attention, church, to the sprinkled blood. If you don't understand what the sprinkled blood is saying, you'll come to a worship service and the loudest thing in your mind will be, I'm tired today. The loudest thing in your consciousness will be, I wonder where I'm at today. And what, what the Bible is so good about doing is drawing our attention away from self and onto God. The only way you can really worship God is if your attention is on him. We say this a lot. Worship is not for you. The songs are not for you. The melodies are not for you. The words are not for you. They are for him. And they only have real power when our hearts and our attention has been cleansed by the blood. We're right with him, right with each other. And what, you know what that means? We can actually see him. And when you see God, your only response is, oh, you guys did it. You worshiped this morning. When I was speaking of these things, many of you, you started cheering and clapping. That is worship. Why? Because your heart 
oh, your heart saw and goes, yes, yes. Now you mix in a melody and worship leaders with that and song and drums and oh, wow, you have a crazy concoction of heaven and glory. But you can have all of that and not have the heart that's crying out, whether there's ever a melody, whether there's ever a song, the heart that goes, yes, I'm coming to the living God. I'm coming to the, the God of all. I'm coming to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word. And what does the blood speak? Watch this. The blood speaks a better word. What's a better word than the blood of Abel? I forgive you. God loves you, you're healed, you're delivered. God, God delights to show you mercy. This is what the blood is saying this morning to every single one of you. This is it, this is the message. We're about to have a time, Martin, if you wanna come up. We're about to facilitate a time, an extended time of response to this word. But this is what the blood is saying. This is the message this morning. The blood is speaking to each and every one of us. It's crying out to us this morning, and it's saying, you're forgiven. I forgive you. I forgive you. And the purpose of him speaking forgiveness is to remove the sin completely from your heart and from your mind, every effect of sin. Listen, sometimes we have this weird thing with sin is like, Okay, if my sins are forgiven, then I just have like a, a sense of peace for a moment. No, 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 no. It may not even be sins that you're doing. Sin, sin ultimately has deadened our senses to perceiving God in our midst. If, if you were to completely remove sin from our consciousness, you would be awake and alive to God and probably would fall to the fetal position because of the magnitude of glory that you were aware of that you didn't know was there, but you discovered was there because sin was removed. And this is the proclamation this morning, that your sins are forgiven. And he's not only saying your sins are forgiving, the blood is speaking and he's saying, release that forgiveness to your mom, to your dad, to your spouse. The blood is saying that. The blood is telling you, you have been forgiven. Your slate is clean. Your debt has canceled. It's been paid. You will not have to pay one dollar of your sin, of death, of punishment. God has taken it in his son. That's what he's saying. Come on. And he's, and he's not just saying that. He's saying it's done. It's clear. You do not have to make up for it. You don't have to do another thing to receive my love. Christ has done it. It is finished. So forgive. So release it. So love. So give forgiveness from your heart. Let them off the hook. Don't try to collect a debt that he already paid for. with a warning the spirit just reminded me verse 25 it comes with a warning you think that's too good to be true it's, it is true and it's good 
It comes with a warning though. It says, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Who's speaking? The blood. The blood of Jesus is speaking. He's saying, see to it you do not refuse this blood and be unwilling. Number one, this is the first call. Number one, to receive the forgiveness of God, to receive the love of God demonstrated through Jesus Christ. This is the first call. And so I wanna do something bold. I'm gonna do something. We need God in our midst, amen? We don't need to play church. We need God. We need a manifestation of God in our midst. If you're not right with God and you wanna be, with every eye opened, I want you to just stand to your feet. You just know, like, you, you need to confess sin unto God this morning. And you're like, man, I, maybe you're a Christian, but you just know, like, like, confession of sin to your father is a relational act that fuels intimacy. You may know he'll forgive you, but I want you to stand in this place. And by standing, you're confessing. We've all done this. We all do this regularly. You stand, you're gonna stand before your Father and this morning, before we go into a time of worship, you're gonna just stand before God. You don't have to do it out loud, but I want you to just confess that which you know, that you know, that you know is not right with God. You confess your transgressions, confess your sins, and here's what Jesus will do, he'll forgive you. He'll forgive you and he'll embrace you and he'll wash you and cleanse you and heal you and deliver you. He'll do all of that right now. So if that's you, would you just stand to your feet? Amen. And you're just standing before God. You're not standing before men. You're just standing before God. And we're gonna leave just some time here. This is between you and the Lord. encourage you, if you're standing, just quietly confess with your lips before the Lord that which you know is just weighing on you. The rest of you, just pray quietly for those standing. Just bless them. Just step into that role as a minister of the new covenant and just declare over each one, your sins are forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. you if you're standing to allow the love of God to penetrate your heart. Let him love you. He delights to show you mercy. 
Jesus, your blood cleanses us from all sin. There's not a sin that's too big for the blood. There's not a sin that's too dark. Your weakness, your brokenness, your failure is not bigger than the blood of Jesus. And I thank you, God, that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than that of Abel. We just silence the voice of Abel, that accusing voice, the condemning voice, the voice that wants vengeance, the voice that's trying to make you pay, you should know better by now. And I thank you for the blood of Jesus to speak to your heart right now. Let him speak, let his voice come to you. The voice of his love penetrate your heart. surrender and yield every excuse every excuse that we have that would resist your unconditional love and acceptance over our lives Lord we lay it down at your feet we surrender to your love this morning we receive your grace we receive your seal of approval of righteousness this precious gift, we receive it as our own. If you're standing there, God wants to remind you that his blood doesn't just remove sin from you, that he positively gives you a gift called righteousness. And he wants to robe you with that gift right now. He wants to remind you that it's your own, that, that you can proudly wear it, and that that gift of righteousness comes simply by faith in the Son, and it gives you permission to be a receiver of the fullness of God's spirit, to be a receiver of the fullness of God's life. That righteousness gives you confidence to receive all things from God through his son. Every breakthrough, every deliverance, every bit of friendship and encouragement. So I just encourage you in this moment, put it on, wear it. Clothe yourself with Christ, all of you. 
should feel good. It should make your heart glad. It should make you feel confident again with your Father. It should give you the most radical hope that you could walk face to face with Him. That that alone is the grounds for a deep intimacy. It's righteousness. stay standing if you want just continue to receive from the Lord but I want to read Ephesians 4:32 this is the second call before we go into a time of communion and then worship it says be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you Jesus himself said if you're going to go to the altar and you're going to you're gonna bring your worship and you, and you there remember that your brother has something against you. First go and leave the altar, be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your worship. What's he saying? He's saying get right with your brother, get right with one another. Don't come to the city of, of the living God. Don't come to this mountain and, and refuse to offer forgiveness because that's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy, and if today you feel like, man, I'm unwilling, I, I don't feel like I can, then, then that's okay. Maybe just, maybe just pull back and go, maybe I'll just try to come another day. But for those of you who are willing, I wanna just give you the next five minutes, the next seven minutes with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, is there someone I need to forgive? As far as you're able, for some, you may not be able, but as far as you're able within your power, I wanna give us a few minutes. It could be a text. You may wanna step out and make a phone call. But if the Spirit is bringing someone to your mind that you need to forgive or that needs to forgive you, I want you to, to take a step of faith today in that direction, honoring the blood of Jesus. Not just lip service and I wanna feel good in a, in a moment, but to honor this precious sacrifice. The Lord has forgiven you completely. He's let you off the hook. And he wants us to release that to one another. And so Holy Spirit, right now, would you speak to the hearts of your people? Everyone in this room, everyone in overflow, watching online. Help us, Spirit of God, to be kind, tender-hearted, and to forgive in the same manner that Christ has forgiven us. Just illuminate this morning to our hearts. Yeah, we're gonna give you a good 10 minutes to do this. And so I really encourage you, this is what this time is for. We're gonna practice what we preach what we say we believe. Just take action. Send the text. Make the phone call. Release them in your heart. Love keeps no record of wrong.
No record, Lord. No record. We let the record go. We let the written record go, and we let the record on our soul go. The record of pain that reminds us of people's sins, we let it go, Lord. We let it go. We don't cry out for vengeance or judgment. We cry out mercy. Mercy. Have mercy. Tenderize our hearts in this place, God. We wanna live with whole hearts to you and to one another want our hearts to be whole, Lord. We don't want to have to manufacture crutches to make us feel like we're alive. We want to actually be alive. Open hearts. We want to really be in love with you. We want to really love one another from the heart. Forgive us where our love has grown cold. Forgive me, Lord, where my love has grown cold. I want to love like you, Lord. I want to love like you. Teach us to love, Father. Teach us what loving with action looks like, not just words, not just lip service, not just I'll pray for you, but real love. Forgive us where we've held on to debts that you've already paid. say to that person I forgive you forgive what you did I release you and I bless you just some kind of action something to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit oh we don't want to refuse your blood that's speaking this morning
they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now, today, he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made. Why? In order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, because of this reality, because of his voice, because of the voice of the blood crying out for mercy, for forgiveness, See, it's this voice of the blood of Yeshua crying out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There's a shaking. There's a shaking. Every man-made thing, every man-made thought and system, it trembles at the proclamation of grace. It trembles at the proclamation of mercy. And it trembles and it falls away. Why? Because God is giving us his kingdom that cannot be shaken. And he says, because of this, because you're receiving this kingdom, let us be grateful. And thus, because of all of this, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Can you guys stand to your feet? I'm gonna invite Tom and Lois.